Welcome to a dying podcast. As always, my name is Nils, and today I'm sort of in my garden in our little guest house, which sounds much more luxurious than it is. It's a frigibod in Swedish, so it's a tiny little hut. And I'm here with David Lindberg. I've never said your name in English before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually slept in this room this night. So yeah, how's that? It was really nice, but I woke up by the, by the what is it called, the cock? <laughs> the cock. <laughs> the cock. The it's cock. Not, not you had an cock. erection and you woke yeah. up. <laughs> woke up it. What's it called? <laughs> this thing between my legs. <laughs> I've never seen it before. So hard. No, but it's, it's a rooster. Rooster. <laughs> but it's also called the cock. It's right? also called the cock, yeah. But yeah, we need to put it in context before we <laughs> use words like that. <laughs> There's a rooster uh, in the garden next to us, which is interesting because we've been here for a few months now. And we've said a few times, because we know they have, you know, hens and, and I don't know if they have the small chickens or not, but hens at least. And we've, we've talked about how there's not a rooster, so there's no issues with the neighbors because they tend to wake you up. But yeah. I also heard it like the first time a few days ago. So I don't know yeah. if they just got it. Yeah. Our dog was over there yesterday inside their cage. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't dared to look if there's like a dead <laughs> bird in there. <laughs> Hopefully not. Feathers everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> He's like that damn rooster, <laughs> the damn cock. <laughs> no, but it's nice to be here finally after like one year of uh, thinking and um, doubting and um, yeah, I, I don't know actually why I'm so afraid of this, mm. uh, but I'm really afraid. I'm really scared right now. Yeah, and that's oh, it's fascinating. So it's I think it's more than here because. Um, So some some background here. You'll you'll soon get to describe yourself in any mm-hmm. way you like. Yeah. Um, but you're one of my best friends, and we've known each other since 2015. Yeah, something like that. Like three years yeah. ago. Yeah, when we worked together at, yeah. at Night Management. Mm. So we both both worked with artists. And a year ago, we actually recorded. Like we tried to record a podcast. This was before I started this podcast. And we sat in the in the house where we both lived at the time. Yeah. And had a conversation. And I think this was it was just a few days or maybe a week after uh Tim passed away. Yeah. Avicii. Yeah. Uh, an artist that we both worked for. Yeah. And that was a really emotional time. And for me it's it's still and I didn't even know him personally, but I we have so many friends around mm. us that were close to him and we've both sort of been connected to that world I, I was actually reminded just the other day that that's still I still have a sorrow around that yeah and I think a lot of people do yeah people who who, who had no connection with him yeah. beyond his music I realized like now when it was one year ago um, it started to come up more and more and I, I listened to the music more and more and I realized that why it has been like so difficult for me because I didn't even know him either we have mailed back and forth a couple of times but um, but uh, and like seen each other very, very briefly but um, it was really hard and I realized it was because I have put so much of my identity in him in a way because mm. he helped me uh, like because that I worked for him 
my career kind of started up and, and I got so many opportunities to see the world and to, to expand my, my, my career and my creative work. And so, so much of my past, like previous years has been because of him. And then it just like disappeared. And that was really hard to grasp and understand. So it felt like a big part of my own identity disappeared. Wow, that's interesting. So I, I've thought about, and we haven't talked about this before, but I've thought about why it's so emotional for me. And for me, it's, a, it's slightly different. You worked uh, with him longer than I did. Uh, and I had the same kind of experience, like met him briefly and then a lot of emailing kind of stuff and working with, with um, like the team closest around him. But for me, it was not, it was partly my identity during those that time, but I was really, I had already done a lot of work in the identity field. So for me, it's not that kind of sorrow, but it's the sorrow that because of him, not only because of him, also because of, of Ash and Carl and all the people around him. Mm. But, but like, if it wasn't for him, I would not have met you. I would not have met Sebastian Furrer, who's been on this podcast, and a bunch of other just magical people mm. that I now call some of my absolute best friends. And that's because I ended up working for Tim. Mm. And I never, I think the sorrow is that I never had the opportunity to actually thank him for that yeah. or actually like fully connect with him. Yeah. So for me, it feels like, you know, it's just so sad that I never got to, to share the love that I got through him, yeah. through, through all of you guys. Um, because yeah. he, he never knew that. Yeah. I wonder if he, yeah. Like understood that how many lives he actually created just by making his music for the team like around him and and yeah because as you said like the, most of my my friends now are connected to that time of my life so yeah so i get right now i get like i wouldn't call it goosebumps but i get like a physical reaction all through my body from that sadness really it's just like fuck. i really wish i really wish he would have known that yeah. Like what he did and probably hadn't didn't have a clue. Mm. And I also want to like, especially now, like a year after that happened, I also, because I've been feeling so much gratefulness towards him, but also towards everyone else working there, mm. even though it was, you know, chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> and, there, you know, the industry, that industry is broken mm. to such a, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. There are a lot of issues in that industry and there's yeah. a lot of fear and there's a lot of problems, but you know, beyond all that, there's still, they're all, we're all human beings mm. uh, who work in any industry mm. and, and we're all good people. So it's like, I, yeah. I feel so much gratefulness towards everyone who, yeah. who helped me get that experience. Yeah. Even yeah. the hard stuff, even the stuff that wasn't working. Yeah, me too. Especially Ash gave me this opportunity and, uh, and so many people the opportunity to, to visit this world and to, to explore and grow in this world. Yeah. yeah, and I fully agree. And I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to say that fully to Ash either. So mm. I'll take the opportunity now to say thank you, Ash, mm -hmm. for that. Um, that 
me being recruited to that and and which was him and, and Carl, the CEO, basically mm. recruited me to that team. Thank you for that. Not not because of the job, but because of the people. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's a starting point. And now, yeah. uh, <laughs> who is David Lindbergh? <laughs> yeah. What's my identity now? Um, I would say that I. I'm a guy who, like, I would identify myself as a seeker in a lot of different ways. But, like, since I was a young kid, I have been, like, I've grown up in, in a Christian family, in a Christian world, where the big, the big questions has been, like, the central part of, of life um, to understand and, and to, to, to dive into the meaning of life. And, and what it's all about. Uh, so that has been something that has really interested me. And uh, even though I left church when I was like 19, I like still have that massive search for truth and for, for what it's all about, uh, what life is, what, what love is, and um, who I am, which kind of is connected in a way. Um, and I, yeah, so that's, that's mostly how I see myself. But, uh, Professionally, I uh, work with film. I've been doing a lot of uh, commercials and music videos for a couple of years. Um, but then I, I had a really powerful experience where I kind of like, uh, basically I tried mushrooms and uh, I had to explore my own um, mind and my own inner world. And that completely made me changed my direction in life and I felt that okay so I don't think I can only make videos anymore that where I only chase likes and, and views uh, I, I want to explore something more so that was this, like the start of a really interesting path but also a really difficult path and in this path I'm really glad that I met you and that we can support each other on this path and um, not feel alone which is a big issue a lot of times on the path of knowing who you are and exploring yourself and exploring truth and God and life. I think that's like the main issue maybe even. So, and I can just mirror that. And I've said it before that I'm so immensely grateful that I have you and also Axel, who's basically your old friend, but these days also my friend, uh, that um, I think I'll be doing an episode with in the next few days after this. I hope so. That's our plan, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and the loneliness aspect of this work, it's, I know we talked about it the other day, that you don't really choose this path. It's sort of, you just end up on it. And then once you're there, there's no turning back. Uh, yeah. So I have that same experience that after starting going deeper into my self, um, in you know, with all of the tools available, from 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 you know, meditation to psychedelics to breath work to all of these aspects, all of these tools that are available to allow you to go deeper into your own consciousness, it's it's extremely rewarding. It's it's really truth seeking, but it's really tough. It's really mm-hmm. hard, and I've had a few moments, quite a few moments. Uh, and they keep recurring where I just feel 
utterly alone. And I think the first time I felt it, I it was it was almost as if I visualized having lived my life for then 32 or 33 years or something like that. You know, just living my life as everyone else did. And then I felt as if I just found like a back door, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somewhere in this dimension. It was like, you know, a door in midair and I opened it and, and there was like the universe and infinity on the other side. Mm. And initially I was like, whoa, shit, what the hell is this? Mm. Wow, wow. And then after a while, it's like, wow. But now I'm standing in this doorway, just staring into the abyss. And everyone else is just like, they keep living their lives and walking around behind me, completely oblivious to this. Mm. And I was like, wow, I'm seeing this. This is so cool. Wow, I'm so amazed. And it's so great that I get to see this. But then I felt, but I'm the only one here. Mm. It's like, no one else is here with me. I'm just, now I just ended up alone in this vast space mm. of infinity, uh, which is both really scary. And then I've had a couple of times, a couple of moments where I feel like, okay, I'm going insane. Uh, so I think that's now after having been doing this work for five years, more or less, um, I know how important it is to not just do it alone that you need people that have experienced similar things that are on similar journeys on a similar path to mm. share with. Cause that to me is like, I'm not the only one mm. understanding this. I'm not yeah. the only one seeing this. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm crazy, at least I'm not crazy by myself. Yeah. And I also know that I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually know that, yeah, this is, this is the mm. way it is. This is truth. Yeah. But it's just important to be able to communicate with others around yeah. you. And that's why we found each other. Yeah. I don't even remember, to be honest, how you and I started talking about this. I remember. Okay. <laughs> Very clearly. Okay. I, um, Go ahead. <laughs> remind my, me. My experience was the exact same as yours, that I've been thinking that the only thing that exists is this outside world. Uh, of course, I have emotions and stuff like that, but uh, the only thing that I can experience like um, truly is the outside world. And then I got this experience with uh, with psilocybin, and um, it was exactly like that, that. That all of a sudden I realized that yes, there is a world here that that is outside of myself, but there is an even greater world inside, where it's not just emotion. It's like you you can see stuff, you can go in there, you can visit memories, you can travel in time, you can like there's so it's so like the 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 um, potential is limitless. Yeah. And that world is infinite. Yeah. It just, it never ends. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, that was such a like ground shaking experience that I like, I didn't know what to do with it. So I, when I went, or I, I actually wanted to reach out to Alexander Bard because I had a sense that he might, <laughs> had might have been there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I knew that you knew him. So I wrote to you and asked if I could get his, his number or something. That's right. And then you said that, yeah, but what do you want to ask? And I just like briefly told you that, well, I had this experience where I, yeah, I don't know what to think anymore. And we had a breakfast uh, a couple of days later. And that was like the 
best morning ever because we just connected. We had the same experience. We could like, it was such a nice feeling that we just like merged into one and we could like understand each other. And I could finally feel that I was not going crazy and I was not alone in this. And uh, all of a sudden, like the, the world of people that had had this experience opened up. And it was like, wait, there is people already in this world that have experienced this even further than me that I can learn from. And that was like the new, uh, it felt like a rebirth in a way, like the new life starts now, mm-hmm. from now on. And um, yeah, it was definitely a before and after. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it has to be, because once you break through that wall, it's just the world is is yeah. completely different. Yeah. You see it in a completely new light, and there's no you can't go back. Yeah. And and also life will not be the same because yeah. you look at life in a completely new light. And I really want to emphasize that psychedelics like mushrooms and ayahuasca and DMT and stuff like that are not necessary for this to realize. But like so many people realize this um, on their own, and just like sometimes it happens with meditation, and sometimes it happens without a reason at all. But for a lot of people, and for, for me, in my case, uh, psychedelics are a way to set those boundaries of the mind's side, the boundaries that keeps me from allowing myself to see the world in the, this way. Um, like the ideas and the, and the, the fears that I have that, that kind of like puts my mind into a cage. Psychi- psychedelics is a way to like uh, melt those barriers away and and you get a chance to see this infinite world uh, for a while but um, I guess we all should expect that the, the world will then close again because you have to do the work sober but it's a great way to to get the glimpse of what is possible on the other side yeah I couldn't have said it better myself it, but it's I can just like I really stress that too that this is not this is not about psychedelics, like you're saying. It's it's just one of many tools to get there. Yeah, it's one of the. It's a vehicle. Be. Yeah, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to get there, but it won't keep you there. Yeah. So that you know, it can. For me, it started the work. It's yeah. like okay, it, it it opened it up. It made me, you know, I could glimpse through that doorway and be like, whoa, okay, yeah. now I understand that I I haven't understood this yeah. <laughs> life and there's much i need to i need to go way deeper and in new directions to actually understand it yeah. it's and, not a one-way ticket but it's a return ticket as well yeah, yeah. it is and it, but it's also it's like that can start your path it can also you can you can also i see a lot of people actually just stopping there because that experience is too much for their brain to take mm-hmm. in it, it becomes overwhelming and yeah. scary and it's like it could be even traumatizing. Yeah. So you might just close down, shut down and say like, I'm not doing that again. That yeah. I don't even know what that was. I don't want to <laughs> see it again. <laughs> yeah. That, just try to forget it. Yeah. It's like, no, that was, I don't even know. That's not, I don't even want to talk about it. That kind <laughs> of thing. And I mean, that's fine too, because we're all on our own personal paths yeah. and journeys and we're exactly where we're supposed to be. And a lot of times I can feel that, you know, okay, I don't even want to be here. This is too much. This is too hard. Like I sometimes can momentarily wish, you know, that I hadn't taken the red pill to mm. use a matrix analogy. It's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just keep living life thinking 
Mm. I knew what it was about yeah. <laughs> and how it worked. Yeah. And just, you know, blissfully that I knew anything at all. Yeah. Just like, yeah, exactly. Just not knowing anything. It's, it's like a, it's a burden to understand these things. Yeah. I think um, the books by Jed McKenna are interesting in that respect because he's, 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 uh, uh, he comes off as being a really douchey, enlightened kind of guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and reading those books for me it was like ah painful because i felt he was circling the truth all the time i could mm-hmm. sense in his writing that he got it but it just never went there fully and it was kind of douchey about it but then in the third book he actually goes there i was like okay finally yeah i knew he i knew he had it but mm-hmm. um he also points out that what people refer to as enlightenment which is not even a term that i like very much i don't think it's relevant uh to put a term on it fully uh using the words in this dimension because it 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 skews it it's 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 not and it's also interesting doing a podcast about it because when we use these words Mm. you know and the way we our thoughts they take the shape of words that we've made up in a dimension that's just a mirror of something so it's like Mm. obviously everything we're saying we can never express the truth Mm. we can experience it by fully falling through all the levels of consciousness and ending up in that space of nothingness. And then we know the truth, but we still can't use words to experience it because words can never be true. So anyway, but he points out that enlightenment is in his words, like the damnedest thing. It's like, it's not something to strive for because it's actually not something that's super nice. It's like, Mm. yeah, you understand things, which is nice to some Mm. extent. And my experience is that I, I'm, I've been able to rid myself from a lot of my problems and pain points in this life, in this dimension, because I know they're made up. But at the same time, I understand how things work, which is painful. Mm. It's beautiful and painful yeah. at the same time. But you can't, it's just not, it's just not, you know, constant state of bliss mm. where everything is perfect. Well, it is perfect, but pain is part of Mm. the perfectness yeah um but uh, i think that like i i would say that i have a have glimpses of of uh, enlightenment of of uh, the the true nature of who i am and what god is but um i i wouldn't say that i'm like fully there and, uh, at all but um what i think is that enlightenment is the then the damnest thing right before you fully immerse in it then there is no darkness at all no because uh, like I, w- my glimpses was it was so bright that i couldn't look at it like it was so much bliss it was so it was so much love and and completeness that it, i couldn't really grasp it but it was just because i still hold on to my my ego and and i want to i wanted to have one foot left on earth and i think that's where it's painful but I think once you go over to the other side and fully embrace what you are, then I think yeah, it's the it's obviously not painful because yeah. because you know it's nothing really, which is hard to speak about. Yeah. Um, but in that nothingness, you know, that becomes bliss. It's not enjoyment. It's not pleasure. It's mm. not. It's not pain. It's yeah. not you know depression. It's it's nothing. Mm. But nothing is blissful. Yeah. But it's, it's um, which is you know 
it's it's great and it's cool and and we talked the other day about how i'm not sure because i'm not there yet either that you can live in that space constantly and still be here uh, with your body and function in this society i see it more as if we're traveling through this spectrum of consciousness and the more accustomed you get to the entire spectrum uh you can you can choose also without using any tools or vehicles such as psychedelics you can mm-hmm. just choose to place yourself in the different levels mm-hmm. so i can just in my case like my meditation now when i started doing meditation it was really hard mm-hmm. i had to work for it and all the work i've done now has just led me to the place where meditation is it's really simple and it doesn't take time and i it allows me to move through the different levels but not fully into maybe we should uh, quickly explain yeah. the, the <laughs> levels of consciousness yeah we should do that so um and this is hard to explain so in a way and simple in another it's once you've started moving through them i think it's much easier to understand mm. but if you haven't it's mm. hard to grasp this yeah uh, and there's this book that i've been talking about on this podcast and i promise there will be an episode just about this book um by ken wilber called the spectrum of consciousness so he has one way of describing it and then there are multiple other ways of describing it but but his way makes sense and i i'm probably gonna get uh, the names of the levels wrong now but that's not important because yeah, it's just made. Say one two three yeah four, five. so it's like six six levels in the way he describes it and then i would say that most likely um in those six levels are actually infinite number of levels uh but these six really they speak to me because i feel that i've been in all of them and and Uh, if we start at, um, you know, we can go through it from either side, so to speak. So the lowest level, which is not really the lowest level, it's it's actually the only thing that mm. exists. So it's the all-encompassing level. Yeah, is uh, he calls it no mind or mind or absolute truth, or you might call it source or nothingness or God or you know whatever mm. uh, uh, you want to call it. I, We said yesterday, or I said yesterday, that can we just decide on a word? Because yeah. it's so hard, hard to speak about mm. this one. I need to like yeah. use 10 words every time I, I speak about it. To me right now, I would say source or nothingness uh, are the ones that yeah. speak to me the most. Um, because they're not filled with a lot of other stuff. Like if I say God or truth, for instance, mm. then people will have a lot of mental models around that already yeah. and it gets confusing. So I'll, I'll call it source. Or nothingness. I'll, I'll use nothingness today. So that's actually all there is. Uh, and in that nothingness, you know, it's consciousness. So it's a conscious nothingness. Uh, it's a it's a seer. It's 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 I am. Mm. But what happens then is when the consciousness tries to ex- see itself, tries to experience what I am, what it mm. is. There's a divide. So from from the nothingness something arises and this is also i think um, important to point out that nothingness can only exist if there is something so it's in that 
charge in that um, uh, contrast yeah. friction between two opposites that's where things actually exist that, mm. that's the core of all of existence so that's why you know life exists only because there is death yeah. and and good exists only because there is bad and, and that's and where so the on. transition comes from uh, goes from non-dualism to dualism yes so in the first state it's like everything is one yes. where everything is zero uh, everything zero is actually a better way to describe it yeah because one also entails you sort of see one thing yeah. that means you need to it, it needs to sit in something right yeah it's one thing in this space yeah. but that's it's just no yeah the whole space is yeah it's one thing but actually nothing it's, yeah. a, no, it's a no thing <laughs> uh, and that's what's so cool about it that all that we see around us and all that we experience actually arises out of nothing yeah and then the first divide, you know, let there be distinction, I think, is, is one of the quotes connected to this. That's mm. why I know you and, need uh, And I just want to point out, uh, I think it's interesting how Anna Watts uh, talks about it, that when we talk about death, what happens when we die? A lot of people say that, well, it, it's a nothingness. Like, uh, but, but how can nothingness, like, is, is that going to be like a, a eternal blackness or, or what's that going to be? And then I said that, yeah, but think about it. When you die, you go to sleep and you never wake up. Uh, so the, the the only way to you, for you to understand it is that what was happening right for you was born when you woke up before having never gone to sleep, and uh, like it's really hard to understand. But that is the nothingness. It's yes. like it, it's it's not blackness. No, and it's not. Yeah, it's, and it's, it, not it's also not the lack of life. So I think I mean the the insight here is that once we're dead, we don't know that we're dead. Yeah, we we don't we don't know that I had this life and now I don't have it anymore. I had David in my life. I had Fabiana. I had Nicodemus. I had mm. all of these people that I love in my life, and now I don't have them anymore. And I'm alone, and it's terrible, and it's sad. It's not like that at all, mm. because just like you said, you know, you don't remember what it was like before you were born. Yeah, uh, and you won't remember. Uh, you won't understand. You won't know that you're dead. You're, you'll just be there. You'll yeah. just be there basically yeah. uh, which is here where we always are so i mean in one way and i'm i'm venturing out a bit here but in one way we're alive and we're dead and we're unborn always at the same time mm. because obviously in this in that nothingness time does not exist yeah time arises in the divides that happens yeah. it's it's like a a, a byproduct of, yeah. uh, of this these dimensions uh, because you know the energy that so basically out of nothingness there's immense energy in that nothingness you know it's it's, it's called, yeah. you can look at it as a black hole almost where it's like it just holds pure all potential. the energy it has everything yeah. in the nothingness and and then the first level of consciousness after that that we refer to i think i'm pretty sure um ken wilber calls it the transpersonal bands i forgot this yesterday but it's not that important but basically what happens is that energy the energy in this nothingness starts to take on form. It starts to become something out of the nothingness. And um, for us human beings, um, I would say that, you know, to one extent, just when you close your eyes, at least I have that experience, you can see sort of patterns of lights move around. And definitely if you take any type of um, entheogens, psychedelics that are visual you get you tend to get to see that 
but much stronger. You get mm. visual patterns. Um, you know, it could be fractals, it could be shapes. You could see a lion. You could, see, you know, whatever. But they're not. You you experience it in your inner. Um, you know, your inner seer experiences that as shapes of lights and color. That's one way to describe at least my experience. Mm. And that is the, that's that level, the transpersonal bands where energy starts taking on form. And I, I recently realized, actually during my latest ayahuasca work, that I had previously thought that, you know, I'm seeing, you know, the shape of a lion. And I thought that what I was seeing was mimicking the lion in this dimension, but it's actually the other way around. What I'm seeing is the, the blueprint of the lion that's starting to take shape because mm -hmm. this is the first divide. Yeah. And then in the, in the next divide, you come into mm. the existential level and yeah. that's where things become objects. Mm. That's where I all, all of a sudden become something. I'm one thing. And then my mm. environment is something else. The previous state is like the code and this state is where the 3D printer gets the code. And that's a really good analogy. So yeah, so the, the the first is like, you know, it's sort of ones and zeros and it's like, you can't really see what it is yeah. or what it will become. And then all of a sudden when it comes into the existential level, it's just, now it's something. Yeah. It's taken on shape. It's a 3D printed object. Yeah. And that's also when I become an object. Prior to that, I'm not an object. I'm just the seer. Yeah. And the first thing I see are these shapes. Yeah. And I can get a sense that the shapes, you know, like, they're not me, but I'm not really sure. But then all of a sudden, in the existential level, there's a clear divide, a clear distinction between me and my environment. So all of a sudden, Nils is one thing, and David is something else. Mm. And the microphone between us is, is something else. Mm. And the tree outside the window is definitely something else. Yeah. And I am only Nils, and everything else is not me. Yeah, so the there's dualism like, grows and expands. Yes, so everything becomes very dual. Yeah. Uh, and, and it becomes... Uh, infinitely so like yeah. i can walk around in my environment and there's no end to the number of objects that are not me yeah. right <laughs> yeah i can find so many things yeah. that i think are not me yeah uh, um and and it should be mentioned that what happens is that in each of these divides sort of problems arise so you know when i don't think that you and me are the same anymore that's where we can start to find conflict and i might not like you or you know i don't want to hang out with david he sucks or he's evil or he's you know he smells bad or whatever <laughs> and actually what i'm talking about is a part of myself but i don't understand anymore that it is a part of myself so i, I might be you no know, no i don't want to hang out with him mm -hmm. which is basically it's it's me trying to get rid of a part of myself yeah that's why all of these conflicts in between <coughs> objects, mm. people, animals, plants, whatever, uh, become so problematic. So I might be super scared of snakes, not understanding that those snakes are actually me. Yeah. So that's my therapist says it's really good that like some people can annoy you, but you just like let it go, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, but it doesn't like wake uh, wake something in you, awaken something in you. But uh, but when you meet someone that does something that you don't like and you're like really annoyed and you get really irritated, then it's something in you that he like puts a spotlight on. Yeah, it's a projection. Yeah. So once again, this book, which is, it's my current Bible. And I know this is like the first book yeah, that, I think it's the first, at least the first that he got famous for, that Ken Wilber wrote. And it's written many books since, and I haven't read them yet. So mm. it's like, I have a lot of people like, you gotta read this book and this book and that book and that book. So I know there's way more here to, yeah. to find. But currently, uh, where I'm at, this book is, is magic. And he points that out, that 
whenever we have these what we call negative or problematic emotions, they tend to be projections of something within ourselves. Mm. So, you know, if, if I think that, you know, let's say person X that I know cares too much about money, that person is all about money. And I, I, I sort of condemn that. I'm like, and I speak about that in front of my friends. Like that person's like, doesn't get it, doesn't understand that everything's one. Mm-hmm. He or she only cares about money and you know, fame or whatever. If I'm annoyed by that, it's actually because I'm not owning that part of myself. So I'm projecting it. Yeah. Because that, and we'll get to that. That's yeah. become part of my shadow levels. Like this is mm-hmm. something about me that I don't like. That I also mm-hmm. want money, and I also want you know social status and fame and yeah. whatever. I think Ken Wilber says that. Like when you put aside something in you that you don't want to deal with, all of a sudden you see that in everyone. Yeah. And like what? All of a sudden, all the world is containing of this. Like, yeah. um, and you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah. like, and that's why. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's so many things we can talk about connected to that, but let, let's just try to go through the levels and then dive into them. Uh, so the next one after that existential level, so the divide then was between me as an object and my surroundings as other objects. Mm. The next divide, well, actually, the, the next uh, level is called the biosocial bands. That's, we're still in this me as an object and other things as objects um, kind of world or that divide. And in the biosocial bands, all the objects agree that they're not the same. <laughs> mm. So it's it's you and me saying, you're like, I could say, I experience that I am Nils and you are David and you are not me, you are something else. And then you would say, I experienced that too. I am David and I'm not you, Nils. And that's why we all agree on, this is the way things are, because on, in this level, that's what I experience. Mm. So, you know, our dog is not me and he also thinks that he's not me and uh, so we saw the biosocial bands all of these objects agree that we're separate things because mm. we behave towards each other as if we're separate things uh so it's just like it it, it just um it it strengthens that thought or idea that we're different so that's the biosocial bands and then yeah the divide starts happening within the object itself so the object nils on the next level uh which uh we've gone through four levels now so only two more to go Uh, It's called the ego level. Now a divide happens within the object nils. And that Mm -hmm. divide is between my intellect and my body. So I'm thinking and I'm experiencing stuff. And I have this voice inside that I feel is inside my head where everything is happening. And then I have this body, which is not doing the thinking, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something else. It's a tool that I have to function in this world, but it's actually not me. Uh, and that's where you, you I think, especially uh, most common age would be like the teenage years when you're starting to like dislike certain parts of your body. Mm. You're trying to like, oh, I don't like this part of me. I don't like this part of me. Mm. That's the typical kind of problematic device. Like I'm not this part, I hate my legs or I hate my whatever. And also not understanding that the intelligence that I am sits in all of this package. Actually, it sits in everything, but if we're in this level where I think I'm an object, the intelligence in that object is in the entire object. But when I split it into intellect and body, I basically say this body doesn't have any intelligence. It's my brain doing all the work, mm. right? And the body just like feeds energy to the brain. I need to eat and I, didn't, I need to shit, but that's what the body does. Uh, not understanding that there's actually intelligence in the body. Mm. And 
the way for me to, to understand it rationally is that, well, I don't know how I heal a wound. I can't actively know how I do it. My mm. body has that intelligence. It's not my brain thinking towards the wound on my knee that now heal yourself. It's actually the intelligence of the body doing it. Mm. And the other way to understand it is that, well, obviously, if, if you have one thing and then a small part of that thing, and uh, we call it the brain, and we think that's super intelligent. Well, the whole thing must be more intelligent because you know the brain is part of the entire body. So the whole package just has to be at least equally intelligent mm. as the brain, and most likely more. And we know that you know there, are, well, the lack of a better word, it's not brain cells, but there's like the heart is a brain in itself, and there's like intelligence all through our body. Mm. But anyway, that's the divide that happens in on the ego that was like. I think I'm an intellect and my body is something different. Mm-hmm. And then the, 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 the last level in this description of, of consciousness is when the, the intellect splits itself too. So I'm thinking, I've, go, I've gone through all this where I'm everything and then thinking, no, I'm not. I, uh, I'm an object uh, and then thinking, no, I'm not an object. I'm an intellect inside an object. And then the intellect splits itself again and becomes two parts. One is the persona. My experienced identity, what I think I am, and, and to some extent what I want to be, and then my shadow, which is you know the part of me that I don't want to be or that I don't mm. like. Yeah. So I split myself in thinking Nils is a super nice guy who is uh, you know enlightened and kind and loving and creative and uh, entrepreneurial and blah 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 blah. But he's not greedy. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't dislike anyone else. Yeah, he has no racist tendencies whatsoever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Basically not owning all of the aspects of myself that actually yeah. do exist. They might not be strong, but they do exist. Mm. Uh, and that's where I would say most of the mental health issues today arise <laughs> because you just don't own your your full ego, so to speak. Mm. And, you know, and as you go through these, as you heal the various levels, you sort of fall down through the spectrum. Mm. So when you heal one, it's much easier to go to the next. But at the same time, at least my experience is that it's not a linear thing. It's not like, okay, now I've healed my shadow levels. So now I can move to focus on my body. And now I've healed that. So now I can focus on my surroundings. And then all of a sudden I am everything. I think we, we go through these levels all the time. Like up or down is not the best way to describe it, but just for the sake of, of argument, let's say up or down. And we have these things to work on on all the levels. And that's like the ayahuasca work really mm. showed me that, that in one ayahuasca journey, I can both experience that like, oh shit, I just realized that I have a, uh, an aggressive side that I never wanted to have. And that I've always thought that I don't have, I'm never aggressive, but I have aggression and I need to own that and become that in order to heal. Mm. And that then happens on the shadow level. Well, mm. if you go all the way down, it's like, you know, in the same journey, I might experience that I'm dying mm. and I melt into the abyss, into yeah. everything. It, it's in the same work, but the work happens on different levels of the spectrum. Yeah. I think before I had my ayahuasca, my first ayahuasca experience, I had a really intense fear of becoming uh, mentally ill, like uh, having a psychosis. And um, so that was obviously the thing that I had to face during the ayahuasca. And that was so like disgusting to dive into the feeling of being in a psychosis. 
And uh, I knew that the only way to get through it is to like become it, to yeah. fully embrace it, to embrace the fear and to like, yeah, really become psychosis, to feel how it feels. And um, since then, like that fear is not present at all. Yeah. I haven't thought about it since then. It's, and, and I can mirror that with my fear of death. So that's still, I'm not fully done with it, but I really now feel that my relationship to it is, is easy. Hmm. It, 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 that was been in my first ayahuasca also, that was my main thing. Like, how the hell do I deal with, not so much me dying. I think that I'm actually done with. It's about losing the ones I love. Mm. Like losing, it, it ended up in a point where it just became, you're going to lose Fabiana. Mm. You will die. She will die. You will experience losing her. And you need to accept that. And it's like, but, but isn't it's that impossible. the same as you dying? It is to some extent. Yeah. Because that, you know, that's one way I would lose her. Yeah. Uh, whether she dies first or I die first, it doesn't yeah. really matter. It will be the same struggle. Because that's like, so what does die mean? Like to die mean, I guess, to lose the thing that you love. I would say, I would actually say no. I think that's the fear of dying. Mm-hmm. I don't think that actually is what, what dying is. No, no, no. Is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. The fear of dying. Yeah, it's the fear of dying. Or, that's or like, IBM I will lose dying. it. Because yeah. I don't know, you know, I'm stepping into this dark room and you won't be there with your body or your voice. Uh, you know, I can't touch you. I can't hear you. Uh, we can't communicate that kind of thing. And I don't know what that will be like. So hence the fear. Mm. It's, it's the fear of the unknown, the, mm. the, the, the always yeah. <laughs> present fear. It's always the unknown, right? And death in this dimension is the big unknown. It's mm. like, yeah, what's that going to be like? But knowing that the only thing that actually happens is that you fall through the spectrum of consciousness. You end up in nothingness where, conscious, where you're still conscious. Yeah. It's just that... Nils is not there because mm. he's 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 just a concept that was created throughout these divides. Yeah. Uh, so he never really existed anyway. Yeah. He's you know, he's a dream. He's he's he he appeared in one of these infinite mirrors where everything is mirroring itself, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a Nils here, and, and then oh, he has an ego and an identity and emotions and blah blah blah. And he mm. he's in love with Fabiana, but we're all actually just dreams. It's yeah. just one huge dream. So when, when the dream evaporates, which I think is a nicer way to look at it than actually, yeah. you're going to die. I'm going to yeah. stab you in the heart and it's going to be painful and you're going to die. Um, it's yeah. like the dream of you will evaporate. Yeah. You wake back. up from the de- yeah. dream. Yeah, you wake up from the dream and you're back in, 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 in the omnipresent consciousness that yeah. is everything. The only reality, actually. Yeah, the only thing that actually is. is. Yeah. And, and obviously, everything that that consciousness dreams is within that consciousness and it doesn't disappear like especially since that time doesn't exist mm-hmm. in this dimension i could say like you know five nights ago i had this dream and while i was in that dream that dream existed but then i woke up and now it's five days later so it doesn't exist anymore well because time doesn't actually exist yes it still exists mm-hmm. everything yeah. still exists and exists forever which yeah. means Nils and fabiana exists forever yeah um and i think that is like so obvious when you take psychedelics that or, or at least when i take it that during the first part of the trip i always come back to the dreams that i had the night before oh wow the exact same uh, space and it's not like the memories of the dream it's it's i'm there as I were the night before. Wow. And uh, that's just like, um, yeah, the, the same thing as, yeah, the dreams doesn't uh, like disappear. They're always present, but you're not always there. 
another thing that happened to me this morning that happens a lot. Um, we, we, at least I slept in this morning because, you know, <laughs> we have Nicodemus. He yeah. keeps us up. You didn't hear the cock. And I didn't hear the cock. No, I didn't wake up to the cock <laughs> like you did. <laughs> um, and then when I start waking up, my initial, not even a thought, just sensation is that I don't want to wake up. Like, I just want to keep sleeping. Like, I'm in this dream and it's, I want to know what happens. Mm. It's like, and I, then I wake up and I don't even remember. Like, two seconds later, I don't even remember. I'm like, mm. I know there was something really interesting. And I can almost still grasp it, but, but it just, it lost all of its shape. Mm. It's like, I don't, I know there was something. And I have the emotional like um, imprint still in me, like an emotional pattern of the dream I was in. But it, the, the details are just gone. But I sense like, oh, but that was, that was nice. I want to go back. Mm. And then after a while, after a few minutes, I'm like, yeah, it's completely evaporated. Yeah. I don't miss that dream because I don't remember it. And now I don't want to go to sleep because now I'm here in this yeah. thing, in this conversation. And I, it's the same when you die. It's like you die and it's like, there was something. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I know there was something. Mm-hmm. What was that? I was, I don't remember. Yeah. And now I'm here. Yeah. It's like, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My second ayahuasca was also about death. And it was this, like, I felt that I was in this space where I, I also had a vague memory about this other world. And that, yeah, it was so hard to remember. It was kind of like remembering a dream. Mm. Yeah, obviously like, because you it have it, but it's fuzzy and it's like yeah, it's more like a sensation that you're familiar with this. Yeah, that you know this, but yeah. you can't you can't describe it in words. Yeah, and, and it's hard to find the exact details. Yeah, but you know that the room of death is the like, yeah, that's the place where I've always been in a way. Yeah. But it's like, but there, there was a world, right? Yeah. There was a planet, uh, I think, and I was living on it. Yeah, and, and I had I an was, apartment. I had a job and yeah. friends and yeah. I had a PlayStation. Yeah. And, <laughs> but but that's way too much detail. You won't remember that much. It's yeah. just like, yeah. there's this, there was something. Yeah. It's like, ah. But, and I, I, I feel that, you know, whichever side we're on, either we're alive in this, in this, you know, this level of, of consciousness and like, yeah, there's a world here. I see it. I know it. But then you have like this fuzzy memory. And it's like, there's something, there's something around this. There's something, uh, you know, beyond this, but I don't really, but I can sense mm-hmm. it. And at yeah. certain times I really sense it. Yeah. And, and for me, I've spoken about this before, especially waking up to the shamanism yeah. within me. I realized that whenever I read the Harry Potter books or the Narnia books growing up, Mm. It, I had such a sadness. It was so sad to read those books because mm. I was like, there is something here. There's something in that, the world that I'm reading about here, not the exact word, but just that sort mm. of the magical mystery side of that world. There's, there's something there. And I feel so sad that I, I'm not in touch with it. Mm. So whichever side we're on, either we're dead or we're alive, we have that connection to the other side but the other side feels like a dream we forgot. Mm. And then we wake up to that dream. So I die and I wake up to like, oh yeah. But then mm. life becomes this, this oh, what was it? There's yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And then we're born. It's like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. And then there's a transition phase when we're yeah. small, when we're, we're 
most likely still like in between the two. Yeah. Um, so on my first ayahuasca, I, I both died a couple of times and then I was also born mm. and realized how that's just one circle. Really. Yeah. So it's like I died and then life became this dream and then I was in the death space and there was just no time. And then all of a sudden I was in a womb and I was like, yeah, here's where am I? This is, this is, I, I know this. And then it's like, I was born. It's like, Whoa, where am I now? I know I'm a, I was, there's, there was a Nils, wasn't it? Because I wasn't born as me. I was born as Nicodemus, literally. Mm. But this was, you know, two months before we got pregnant. <laughs> so I, I, I knew that it was a boy because <laughs> yeah. I was born as, as our son. Mm. And I visually saw Fabiana as the mother, my mother. And I was like, I have this memory of Nils. But I don't, like, <laughs> I have, like, weird dreamlike memories mm. from my parents' lives, but I can't really fully grasp them. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, this is my head. And this is what is this? This is, what is this? It's my hand. And I behaved exactly as a toddler, just like mm. exploring my own hand. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's, it's going back and forth between the dreams, but at the core of it, there's still just nothingness. Yeah. And I, but think, I think it's interesting. Like this nothingness is not something vague. Like, no. Just as we think that, okay, so, so death, I can't really remember it. Uh, and I, I don't really understand what it's going to be about. Like maybe it's something big, but it's, like once you're there, as you have been so many times, like yeah. then, and you realize it when you're there, you're like, of course, oh, yeah, of this course. place, I've been like, of course. And then as you say, you, you remember vaguely about the world, but it's not something vague when you when you are in the death space. Oh, it's, it's like super clear. It's so intimate. Yeah. It's like even, I would say even more clear than this. Definitely more clear than this. Yeah. Because there's not, it's not as complex. It's actually just one, yeah. it's just one point. Yeah. It's just one, you feel everything yeah. as one thing. Yeah. And you're fully there as one thing. Yeah. Actually nothing, but just like, to understand it's, everything is just one thing, yeah. which makes it really, it's, it's really relaxed and it's love. Yeah. Like to your point earlier, it's, that's what it is. Yeah. That's the energy fueling everything. Mm -hmm. It's what we call love yeah and you when you're there you feel that you and the one thing that you and everything is is it's just pure love yeah that's the, all there is the words i would use to, to to that state and space is it's you it's only you and it's love and it's nothingness and it's everything like all those four words are the exact same thing yes like you are everything and nothing and love and Which means, and there's yeah. then there's there's obviously no more. There's nothing else to figure out. That's what we, from this side of things, it's yeah. the end point yeah. because there's you know this life is really a, a journey of understanding and mm. exploring. Right, that's all we do. Yeah. But once you're there, there's you. There's nothing else to explore. Right before I came to that space during my ayahuasca experience, it was like I was still uh, an ego uh, right before and i was forced into this space where i had this like big kind of like a button where i was told me that okay so press this button like this is the enlightenment button like the the thing you've been searching for for so long like, here it is <laughs> yeah and and if you press it you will see everything you will understand everything and uh and it's it's so frightening. Like once I was there, I was like I, I couldn't even look at it straight, like because it was so bright and and the truth was so intense that I was like, 
like what is it called glimpsing yeah. like uh, uh, glancing at yeah it. glancing and uh, I was like I can't take it like it's so bright <laughs> yeah it's, but you know it's because the ego can't take it yeah that's what it is yeah so I know yeah exactly yeah, so we've so this is a, an experience that we both shared and obviously visually it would be different because mm. visually, visually everything is possible which means you will never see exactly the same thing as you've seen before as someone else has mm. seen because it's, it doesn't exist anyway yeah. it's just sort of the randomness of infinity but anyway that that's not the point the point here is that you come up to this point where it's full ego death like ego death can happen a lot but this is like the the final point of ego death mm. when it's so intense that you basically understand that you will die yeah and uh, your ego and your brain has a really hard time dealing with that yeah in my ayahuasca the the death ayahuasca journey the guides really told me i was like what am i going to do i was i was stuck i, I got mm. stuck and i tried to fight it and it turned into hell it turned into what i would describe as a psychosis it wasn't because you know yeah well it was to some extent yeah. i felt as if okay this is complete madness it's it, unescapable hell and i don't wish for any living thing to ever have to experience this this is yeah. the worst thing the worst thing that exists because i was right at that border just about to break through just about to die basically and i couldn't do it and i think that's that might be you know, i'm jumping here as well but that just thinking of it now that might be what once created the story of heaven and hell. Mm. It's like, if you don't fully own your death, if you don't surrender to it fully, mm. that will be the experience. It's yeah. hellish. It's kind of the, interesting that uh, heaven and hell can be looked at like the same thing. Like if you don't fully embrace heaven, it is that hell. very thing is gonna become hell. Yeah, and, and, and in my, so I didn't get the button, but I basically fought it for eight or 10 hours or something like that with every piece of me just like mm. no this can't be i can't fabiana she's i mean she's always i was flickering back and forth it's like she's always there but i would lose her no but she's always there no but i will lose her and it just became this terrible loop mm. where i couldn't just surrender to it yeah. and then um i was just so beaten down that i i didn't have a choice i didn't push the button they basically just poured more ayahuasca into me mm. and i my my thought was, okay, now I'm definitely dying. And I just surrendered to it because I felt, okay, they just poured more of this thing into me mm. and I don't have any energy left to fight. And then they basically told me, okay, the only thing we're going to tell you, because they had told me to die over and over and I didn't understand. I was like, mm. <laughs> in hindsight, I was like, what do you mean? How am I? I was trying to hold my breath. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll kill myself. <laughs> or Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Where am I? And are you really saying I should kill myself? Uh, so I was trying to like hold my breath, which obviously didn't work. Uh -huh. um, but anyway, uh, I was so exhausted. And then they told me, yeah, just just surrender to death. And whatever arises, just place it on this tiny cloud and let, and let it just flow through you. Just whatever it is, go into it, place it on a cloud and let it do what it's supposed to do. And then I fell through it. That's when I started dying. That's when I died. And then uh -huh. I died three times in a row just mm. in different situations. And then these transformation loops just kept happening, kept happening, kept happening, kept happening until I found myself in, in the word that came to, to mind then was Nirvana. It's like, mm. oh, I'm there. Everything's mm. bliss. I get it. 
wow, thank you. Okay, it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it took two or three days and then I was like slowly being molded yeah. back into this shape, into this dimension. And it became once again, kind of this dream yeah. that I can, I can connect to it. I know how it feels. I'm much closer to it now. I can like get mm. over into it, but it's still kind of a dream. Yeah. I actually think I managed to get away. Uh, I didn't fully emerge or like embrace death. And I, I remember right before I had like the final um, call, it felt like everything just went quiet. And kind of like the ending of Truman Show, <laughs> when he sees the door out of the studio yeah, no. and the whole world just like sits and wait for his decision. And that was the exact same feeling. Mm. Like all the, the beings in that energetic field was like looking at me like, so what are you going to do? You've been wanting this for so long. And I was like, uh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. But that, and, and I think worth mentioning here and pointing out is to not focus on results. Like not saying that doing this thing is what we're all we should achieve. And if you don't do it, you've failed. And, you know, if you're not enlightened, if you don't understand these things, if you haven't experienced anything of what we're talking about and you're listening to this, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because yeah. wrong and right doesn't exist. Good and bad doesn't exist. We're all on the journey we're supposed to be. We're exactly where yeah. we're supposed to be. And we're yeah. seeing the things we're supposed to see yeah. right now. And we're doing the things and not doing the things we're supposed to do and not do. Ron does say that uh, the more true you are to where you are, the faster the process goes. Yes. And uh, I think that's so true. Yeah. So it's, it's all about flow. It's just like leaning into it. Trust instinct. Don't try to maneuver things. Yeah. Don't try to decide where it should be going. Don't try to... I spoke to someone recently uh, who's also on the similar... It's all the same journey, basically, but we're all in different yeah. levels and, and we're all seeing different things because we have our different viewpoints. Uh, uh, but she said, you know, okay, I... I know about ayahuasca and I, I know I will do it, but I just, uh, and I had the opportunity recently, but I didn't do it. It just, I didn't dare to, I didn't feel that I was ready for it. And then that's like, yeah, because you were not supposed to do it then. Yeah. That's how simple it is. Like yeah. after my first ayahuasca journey, my initial thought afterwards, like, okay, wow, this was the worst and the best thing ever. And I know I'll do it again, but it's going to be five years at least. Yeah. And then a year and a half later, I found myself just by pure instinct having someone over lunch say to me, I'm going to this ayahuasca retreat in like a month. Yeah. Uh, would you like to join me? And without thinking at all, my instinct just like, yes. And I had the fears and the doubts and my mind's like, is this really a good yeah. idea, Nils? <laughs> um, uh, but it's, it's, it's instinct. Yeah. And the flow states will get you fully in touch with your instinct. When we speak about gut feeling, when we look at decision-making, like Donald Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, where basically said big life decisions go with your gut, small, not important life decisions, be rational. Instinct is the gut feeling. And, and you know, to find your path and the flow of your life, instead of being like, okay, should I also do ayahuasca? Should I also go to Burning Man? Should I do this? Should I, should I work for a nonprofit? Should I work out? Should I, whatever. It's like yeah. the thing you should try to become better at is, is, is listening to the instinct. Yeah. We all have it. Yeah. Uh, it's just about first listening it, uh, listening to it and then not trying to quiet it. Basically just like, okay, I, this doesn't make sense. 
but I feel inclined to go in this direction and I don't really know why. Yeah. And we don't have to know why. It's not the idea. I think that's a, another mistake of the brain is that the, bri- the brain is trying to explain everything. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool that's great for certain things and not great for other things. I heard about the nice exercise to develop your sense of, of recognizing this intuition and the gut feeling. And that was to write down a yes and no to two papers and then um, ask yourself a really obvious question like, uh, do you love your mom? And then you just take randomly one of the answers. And if it says like, no, really feel your whole body, like feel how that feels. And um, then you do that a couple of times. And then you start to recognize like how it feels to, to when something goes against your truth. I think that's wow. very interesting. That's really, I, I would say that most definitely should work. Yeah, and and this is once again it's like once once you start understanding these things and how everything's connected, it becomes so clear what we should be focusing on teaching each other mm. in life. So that's like that's one of the major ones because we tend to look to each other for for blueprints for answers. Like you know, people can come to be, to me with any uh, kind of thing. Uh, you know, okay, Nils, you successfully uh, managed to uh, become your own boss like you're running your own companies and your own consultancy and your own coaching and whatever it's like how do you do that uh, which is just not even a relevant question because the way i did it was the the way i did it no one else will do it in exactly mm. the same way fine you can learn some tactics and some smart moves but no path is uh, similar so you just looking at someone being like i want to be like that person and then try to mimic whatever that person did does not make sense you can't yeah. follow someone exactly in their in their footprints like their path because everyone has a separate path and and they're so the logical way to understand it is that okay if i did that two years ago and you want to do it now well everything has changed you have changed Everything around us has changed. The world is completely different. So it's just impossible to, to, to do the exact same thing that someone else has done before you. Mm. You can be inspired. You can learn some tactics. You can start figuring stuff out. But at the end of the day, you need to find your own path. And mm. instinct is, is it's actually the one and only guide for that. Because everything we do, you know, when we go against in- instinct, that's where we end up in a place where we don't feel good and feel, you know, we sense that something is wrong. Uh, but everything we do is basically, you know, to some extent based on instinct. Like, why are we, why did I start a podcast? Why did I go to a certain school? Where do I live where I live? Where, why did I accept that job at night? You know, it's, it's instinct. Mm. Fine. I can dress it in rationale and in logical explanations, but it doesn't really explain it. You can't really explain why you do anything. If you, if you go down to the deepest, deepest level of it, Mm. You can't really explain why you do anything you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that we've we've both, in this case, Ryoshka, come up to the same death point, where it's like, yeah, yeah. this is the end of the line, kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of people who have been there. I mean, there's a lot of people who have been there, obviously. Mm. But in my just close circle of friends, I don't mm. know a lot of people who have been there. So it's once again, I'm grateful. Yeah. <laughs> because. Once I know that, well, I was there now in time that doesn't exist, but anyway, <laughs> in this dimension where, where we experience time, I was there before you, 
And I know that it feels good for you to have me that had already been there. Yeah. But it feels equally good for me to have someone else who has now also been there. Because mm. I felt alone in that too. Yeah. Even though, you know, you can, online you can find thousands of people, millions probably, that yeah. have been there and speak about it. Yeah. But it's something else when you have some a close friend. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting also that we, we share the exact same experience. Like almost... Like, even if we try to describe the visuals of that space uh, and the, the journey to that final space, um, like, everything is the same. Like, yeah. yeah. And also the fact that what I ended up with was Fabiana. Yeah. It was my love for this person, which yeah. is my person. <laughs> yeah. And, and just that, I can't let her go. Yeah. I fucking can't let her go. Um, that was the end point. Yeah. So like everything else disappeared and that was just her. Yeah. Um, and that was the exact same for me. And it was so interesting because I talked to you during this, like when I was in this space and I was like, what, sh- what should I do? Like Ayahuasca asked me to die, but I, I can't die. And, um, and I know you, you've been to this place. So, so can you please like guide me? And you're like, yeah, but what do you, so what happens if you die? I'm like, well, then I disappear. And you're like, yeah, what happens when you disappear? And then like the final answer yeah. was like, I can't be with Karin. Yeah, I lose her. Yeah, which is my girlfriend. It was like the, the, the love was the only thing left that I couldn't let go. Like everything was, was um, like peeled away. Yeah. But that thing was too strong. And I was like, no, fuck it. I think now that you say it, what I realize is that what happens there is that we know that I have love. I have love with Fabiana. And what Ayahuasca is telling us to do is to die mm. and move into a space where we don't have love anymore, yeah. but we are love. Yeah. So that's what you let go. You think you have this thing that you actually are. Mm. So you cling to this. But you know, this is it. This is love and I yeah. have it and it's her and I, I just can't let it go. Yeah. What actually is happening is that you die and you become it. Yeah. You don't cling to something thinking, I have this yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, but you are it. Yeah. And and that was my experience when after dying was that, yeah, like Fabiana isn't here with her body or her eyes or her voice or her touch or mm. her laughter or any of these things. Mm. But the love, and I, you know, the love that I thought I had with her, the love that me and her share, is actually what we are. So like we, but the love is still there. So the love is still there. And if you really, really think about it, you realize that's what it is. Like, yeah, the love gets, it takes on the form of her eyes yeah. and and her voice and her touch and her laughter and all of the, and all of the memories we share it just yeah. takes on that form but those memories that body that, that those thoughts those words is not the love the love is the love mm. and the love never goes away and it's interesting that like a lot of uh, enlightened people that have gone through the whole journey and to that side they say that yeah it's nice to visit Christ and to visit love but it's better to become Christ yeah. and to become love yeah. but that's a difficult transition <laughs> it is because it's scary yeah. 
because yeah. it's 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 making that leap. It's yeah. trusting that if I let this thing go, I will still have it on the other side. And in this case, I won't have it. I will be it on yeah. the other side. Yeah. But you need to let it go to become it. Yeah. Which means you need to let it go. Yeah. You need to let her go. You need to let that love go. Yeah. To become it. And we we all end up doing it because we die. Yeah. But it makes life just so much easier in a way, knowing that that's where we're headed. Yeah. So one day, and I'm not saying we won't be sad. Yeah. It will be excruciating sadness to let that love go. Mm. But then you become it. I was really surprised by the presence of death and how mm. different that was from how I thought it would be. Mm. So how did you think it would be and how did you experience it? I thought it would be like at least dark in a way, like, uh, cause you know, we have this uh, symbols that uh, death is like this, uh, what is it called? Lilliman. Oh yeah. The Grim Reaper. Yeah. yeah and like uh, a yeah, something like Hooded that. And it's, and... it's like kind of like evil in yeah. ways. Uh, and um, when I was there and I felt the presence of death, it was something completely different. It was like, it was bright and it was uh, beautiful and it was, um, it was so powerful. And it was, it was the truth, the absolute truth. It wasn't like something dark or scary or anything like that. It was, or it was scary because it was so beautiful. That's the thing. It was frightening. It was the most frightening thing I've ever, ever experienced. But it was because it was so bright and beautiful. I think the darkness comes from the road there if you struggle. Because my death experience was dark up until the point where I really died. Mm. So the struggle of not dying, that was dark. That was, that was, and it's funny when we speak about that, we share the experience because we both use uh, an analogy from the same Netflix movie, <laughs> from Annihilation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, the same scene, but different parts of the same scene, which is interesting. It says something about the people who made that movie. <laughs> and so it's, it's uh, without spoiling too much, it's, it's one of the last scenes, and the main character is in this space. It's a room, basically. Uh, well, the walls are covered in, it's like tar-like, it's snake-like tar. And so yeah. it's dark and it's gooey and it's moving and it's shifting. And it's like, it's, that was the, the madness part where I was fighting. It was exactly like that, but in my head. So I was stuck in a room like that and I was just covered in this dark snakes crawling all inside my being and mm -hmm. I could not escape from them. So when I saw that movie and they even had like, a, uh, I heard a, a, a weird sound that was really uh, like the um, uh, the horror movie The Ring, I think. It sounds like uh, that sound hmm. combined with these snakes. Yeah. Uh, that was not nice. <laughs> uh, that was the most hellish place I've been because it was not so like I could hear it and I could see it. It's like I was that thing and mm -hmm. I could not escape from it. And that was my journey up towards that. When I was still fighting it, I was fighting it. I was like, I can't lose her. I can't die. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. That was what I was given. So I think the dark, the darkness in the narrative and the stories we have around death could come from that. Us trying to not die when it becomes terrible. Mm. But then, as you say, when we die, it's not like that at all. Mm. It's, it's bliss. And it's just, when I died, I felt all I want to do is die. Oh, so nice. Mm. This body has it's played out its role. I've played my role. I've done my part. Finally, yeah. all I want to do is just like, ah, yes, mm. 
go back to the source. Yeah. Um, but your annihilation analogy was actually not from the walls. No. It was more from this energy orb. Yeah, right? exactly. In the ending where where this like all of a sudden very quickly this this orb just arises and it's actually it's, in that room. It's in yeah, the same yeah, room. Yeah. So some kind of particles forms this uh, this being in a way that that flies in the room and just looks at at the, um, the main character and that was my experience as well that all of a sudden the presence of the the the, the powerful death kind of energy was right in front of me and um, yeah like yeah yeah what it is is uh, because once again if you use the analogy of energy. Yeah. which is constantly just shape-shifting. Yeah. It never disappears. But as one, you know, this an atom is, is being held together by, by energy, but if it, if it splits and the atom, quote-unquote, dies, then that energy will take on a new shape. Mm. And the same way, like, with my body. To me, that's what that analogy shows, and that's probably why um, that movie spoke to me and felt scary and beautiful at the same time. It's like, when you die... The energy that has been holding your shape, which is mm. the shape of, of David and your ego and everything, will dissolve into just infinite particles, but then open up for something new to rise out of that energy. Mm. That energy will take on new form. It won't yeah. be David becoming a turtle, uh, but it will be the energy that was David becoming all sorts of new forms mm. and shapes. Yeah. Um, and, and the wisdom and and you know that was a mass the information in that energy just gets you know shared into this whole yeah thing because this nothingness process a great deal of information uh, it's kind of like a super quantum computer <laughs> kind of thingy <laughs> that is just everything mm. uh, which is another aspect of it yeah oh yeah so see that movie <laughs> yeah see that movie but um yeah I don't really know. Like the first time I tried ayahuasca, what I what I took away from that was to like I didn't really experience death then, but it was more like experiencing my like a lot of personal problems, like a lot of memories and and and, and situations in my past that have um, shaped me in a lot of different ways, mostly in bad ways. Uh, what was came up and to go through them and to work with them. And, and the second time it was nothing like that. It was like, yeah, almost like I remember the, it was a song that came on and the song was so sad. And I just like really put all my awareness on, uh, awareness on that and, and felt that, okay, so this, this is like the nature of sadness. Like this is so sad. And I think it's because I have so much sadness in me that made me and this song connect in mm. such a powerful way that I just like emerged in the sadness and felt it more and more. And then all of a sudden the death was in front was of me. There. Yeah, and it's it's to your point. So an Ayahuasca journey is not always about death. My second one was not at all about death. Yeah. It's it's what it it needs to be about for yeah. you right now. And and music and sound really goes into it. That's what the strength of music is that you interpreted it in your way, yeah. which means I can't tell you what this music or sound is supposed to do for you because wherever you are, you will connect to it with whatever you need to connect to mm -hmm. it with. And that's why these things happen. Why 
a piece of music in a, any type of psychedelic trip or meditation can have such vastly different effects on different yeah. people. All right. So, yeah, we've already spoken a lot here. <laughs> I suggest that we end it here for today. Yeah. Because we've covered a lot. And, and, and this topic is the eternal topic that we can speak about forever. Yeah. But I, I really feel grateful to have uh, had this moment with you and just sharing these things because I also know it's important, not just for us, but it's actually important for society and where the world is today to yeah. have more people to speak about these things, even yeah. though it's scary. Yeah. So, uh, so you said initially that you were scared. Yeah. How do you feel now? Uh, I've been thinking about it, the whole um, discussion, actually, or the whole conversation. Um, and I still feel scared, but I, I'm really proud that I did it. And, um, I've been thinking about what I'm afraid of and it's quite obvious that it's like my 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 need for everything that, that I do to be perfect and mm -hmm. to be good uh, so, the, so that I, I'm afraid that this performance that I did now will not be enough uh, or good <laughs> and that people will think that I'm weird or that I don't uh, like speak uh, very well uh, or stuff like that so um, yeah it's it's still difficult. It's going to be difficult yeah. when this releases, but uh, I'm really happy that I did it. And still at the core, you know, that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like a plunge right to it. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I love you, man. I love you. And to you guys listening, thank you, as always, for listening. I sense that this podcast is taking me and hopefully people listening deeper and deeper and becoming more and on, more, more and more honest. I'm really grateful to be able to share this with you. And I'm really grateful that you are listening to this right now. And as always, feel free to reach out with thoughts, emotions, ideas, whatever. And uh, see you guys next week. Take care.